Hello and welcome again to the Mastermind.fm podcast. This is episode 6. I'm Jean Galia and I'm joined by my co-host James Laws from WP Ninjas. Hey, it's good to be back. I, I know our episodes are sometimes a little infrequent when we get to record, so I'm glad we're getting back into a routine. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, This in this episode we decided that we realized that we haven't really talked about what we do <laughs> in specifics, so we're going to take a step back and talk about our businesses and how they work, basically. Um, shall we start with Ninja Forms? Sure. So uh, I think we probably talked about this like in our very first episode when we introduced like what our businesses were. So I, I kind of run and co-founded WP Ninjas, which is a plugin development company. Um, and it's that by default because we built a plugin called Ninja Forms and decided that's what we wanted to do. As it started to take off and progress, we decided we just wanted to stick and stick with plugins and keep kind of developing in that direction. Um, so Ninja Forms is our kind of our flagship product and probably is the, the major funding for the company as a whole. So most of, almost all of our income that comes in comes in through Ninja Forms. Um, and so Ninja Forms, for those who don't know, is a kind of a WordPress form builder so you install it in your admin and you can build contact forms, lead generation forms, um, you know, mailing list forms, bookings. I mean, pretty much anything that you might want to create it gives you a bunch of field choices and you can kind of just develop that as you go. Uh, and so that's kind of what Ninja Forms does. It saves you that information to a database. Uh, generally, will inherit the styles of your theme so it looks pretty decent on the front end. Uh, and the way we monetize NinjaForms, because NinjaForms core is a free plugin, uh, and it's, it's available on WordPress.org, the way we make money is we actually sell add-ons to take those forms further. So if you come to the point where you want to integrate with a service like a CRM or a mailing list, you could buy an add-on for that particular integration. If you wanted to add conditional logic to your form, you could buy that. Uh, and then for those people who are doing lots of sites for clients, we have a membership where you can just buy an all-in uh, uh, package that gets everything that we have and anything that we're about to release. You just kind of have that available to you to use on all of your client sites. So that's, uh, that's probably our main product. I mean, we have some other side things I think we can talk about in a little bit, but I think that would be, that'd be the starting point for us. And just to put things into perspective, when did you start NinjaForms? So we originally started Ninja Forms in its first iteration back in June of 2011. That was kind of our main launch. But I would say Ninja Forms didn't start to show it could be a business of its own until January of 2013. Uh, that's when we had made lots of changes in our business model and our structure. And as we went through that process, we started to see sales really start to take off. Right, so we're talking about a year and a half almost. Yeah, a year and a half of of uh, depressing sales and wondering why we kept doing it. <laughs> so when we speak of June 2011, was that when it was released on the .org repo? Interestingly enough, we released Ninja Forms as a pro plugin first, so it was not in the repo at that time. Um, we were experimenting with being lower priced than all of the competition. And so we kind of focused on that. Um, we were really cheap, and it was a really bad model, and it was not a sustainable model. But we released Pro, uh, kind of a Pro version, uh, just on our own website, and saw really low sales for that first six months. And then in December was when we decided to release a light version in the .org repository. 
and see if we could get some traction that way, get some more eyes on the product. And really, it didn't seem to significantly change our sales at all that we could tell. And so what make, made you make the make you focus hard on it at a later stage? Was it the request from people who are downloading it on .org? Yeah, you know, I think what happened was we started seeing unique uses of the plugin and people asking questions to do some really cool things. And we thought, uh, maybe there maybe there's room here, but we just have not marketed it properly, and we just haven't found our our model that works for our plugin. So we decided to do some rewriting to make it a little more extendable because at that time it wasn't quite as extensible as it is now. So we started kind of rewriting the whole core plugin, which would later become 2.0. But halfway through that process, I I was I had built a kind of a makeshift shopping cart with PayPal myself and decided I needed an actual e-commerce solution and licensing and all that stuff, which we didn't have any of that. And so I decided to start search-seeking around what kind of e-commerce solutions were out there. And uh, I had I'd remembered that Pippin Williamson had just recently launched Easy Digital Downloads. And so I started looking through his site, deciding what I would need. And I noticed that my cart kept adding up with add-ons. I'm like, well, I'm going to need the, the software licensing add-on, and I want to collect PayPal payments. And I, liked, I started clicking all these things, and I was, it's like a light bulb went off. I was like, you know, forms are a lot like that because in my experience, a lot of the users we have are not using everything that we put in the pro version. So we could sell those as individual things for people. And I wasn't sure if it was going to work as a, as a business model, but it really seemed to make sense. So I went back to my partner uh, who was rebuilding it and told him. And because he was already making it so extensible, it was pretty easy for him to just say, okay, well, let's start pulling these features out and tack them in through actions and filters and started doing all that. So he, in the course of about six months, rebuilt it with add-ons in mind. And on January, I want to say January 3rd or January 4th, we launched a new website, um, and actually we kept it on WPNinjas.com. It didn't have its own domain yet. Um, we launched on WPNinjas.com, and we did it with add-ons. And the first month, sales was comparable or a little bit higher than our best month for the entire year last year. So that didn't tell us much. But then in February, those sales doubled. And then in March, they doubled again. And we just started to see that constant growth month over month as soon as we launched on the add-on model. Uh, so it was, it was at that point we realized, okay, this, this one single change has had a huge impact. Now how do we capitalize on that? Very interesting. I think we should delve deeper into monetization models in a future episode because there certainly looks like there's a lot of things to say with regards to mistakes we've made and what we learned from them. So people who are starting and you could really have a lot of things to learn from our experience. And just to one last question, the Ninja Forms team is made up, uh, was originally made up of you and your co-founder, right? Yeah, he was over in Liverpool um, getting his uh, master's and doctorate in ancient Roman history while we were doing all this. And uh, I was uh, working for a credit union as their web administrator. So it was just the two of us. Um, and then since then, we've added a team of about six other people. Nice. Okay, so I guess it's my turn to talk about, uh, can start from the WPRSS aggregator. It's always hard to say. It's a long name. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's good for SEO purposes. And actually, um, right now I've seen, I'm seeing people 
come up with original names for their plugins. But going backwards a few years, most people name their plugins literally by what they did, like WordPress SEO, you know, contact forms, and that kind of thing. Anyway, so the RSS plugin is basically an importing plugin, and it allows you to import RSS feeds from any kind of website, not necessarily a WordPress website, into your WordPress website. Uh, it started off as a plugin I needed for myself. I needed something for WP Mayor, something by which I could import news from other WordPress sites, kind of like make a shared WordPress news page, not only our posts. And from then I released it on .org just for fun and for my own profile kind of as a developer. And people just started submitting uh, requests for new features. And that's where the add-on model started. At the time, as uh, you mentioned, James, many people were experiment experimenting with the add-on model. So it was kind of the thing to do. And so in the summer, this was back in January 2010-12 when I first released it on .org. And uh, I think it was later that year in summer when we started working on the model, the extensions. And slowly growing from there, it was just me in the beginning with my wife helping me manage the business. And now we're around six people as well. And that's for WPRSS aggregator. It's more of a kind of a closed ecosystem, unlike yours, where you have more developers contributing add-ons. And it's not necessarily been something by design. It's just that so far, nobody has come up with any add-on, uh, which... Have you tried reaching out to see if anybody's interested in building add-ons? Um open that we conversation have, up yeah. okay we have posted on our site on our blog but okay i haven't done it very actively and probably i'm gonna take a note here because it's something i need to do on on wp mayor when the traffic where the traffic is much higher i think there is a, a part of that too can be i've done this before with others who are getting into the add-on model is when you have uh you know a peer company friend company who's doing that add-on model they can also ping their developers yeah. See if they're interested in building add-ons for this other place. Because lots of times these developers are just trying to make a little extra money by doing some they don't want to deal with the having to sell the the plugin and collect the payments and handle the first touch support. Like they don't want to handle all that stuff. So if they can find little businesses, um, or as I hope ours are growing much larger businesses, they can find places they can plug into and build very useful tools in those ecosystems. Um they may be willing to cross because I mean we have some people that we share I'm sure with uh, easy digital downloads who build add-ons over there as well great so you're going to ping your developers yeah I'll, I'll ping my developers absolutely great <laughs> and the second thing I'm gonna do is make an announcement on this podcast for anyone who wants to contribute plugins for the aggregator just get in touch with me and we can set you up one thing I wanted to mention uh, and we can also discuss this in the models episode is that early on in the plugin's life, it actually got forked on .org. I was at the time in Thailand and uh, someone contacted me asking for some features that he wanted to add for his own use. And me being in Thailand, probably my head was in other things, uh, just exploring the place basically, so you don't <laughs> get the wrong idea. <laughs> uh, I, I just said I don't have any time to really develop all these new features. And what he did was fork the plugin and add the features himself. And eventually that plugin became much more popular than our plugin. 
And I also, I even didn't notice that there was this new plugin. I just checked six months later and found <laughs> <laughs> all these downloads on our competitors. Sort of. Eventually, the plugin um, ceased to exist because the guy didn't have a monetizable product. He was just providing everything for free and he couldn't keep up with the support requests. So there's a, the downside of having a purely free model. Even if you want to do it, sometimes it can be hard to sustain in the long run, especially when you have another job. Yeah, I think that's an, an important point, right? Like I get, we see new forms popping up in the space all the time and their selling feature is we offer all these things for free. You know, oh, you wanted conditional logic, we built that in for free. You wanted multi-part forms, we built that in for free. And all I do is look back at the fact is I know what the kind of support those things uh, entail. And I know that's not sustainable. Eventually that breaks down. And if you don't find another way, another way to differentiate yourself, to monetize, to cover the cost of that. Yeah. I mean, plugins will come and go. And now some people do it right. You know, this, this idea of forking a plugin is not new in our space. Uh, Jago shop was running fine and doing some stuff. Uh, the team behind Woo themes wanted to take it in a, a better, what they thought was a better direction. They didn't agree on terms. And so WooThemes forked it and built WooCommerce. And WooCommerce, though, had a very great monetization idea, which was the add-on model, and they took off with it, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that happens. Yeah, I think there's a lot of negative <clears throat> connotation around the GPL thing, but uh, I was actually happy. Well, the first time I saw the forked version of the plugin, I wasn't happy, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was mostly disappointed with myself and the lost opportunity. But going forward, I was uh, it was a very interesting experience because I had the chance to speak to the other developer and work together. You know, eventually I learned a lot from the features that he implemented that we could then sort of fork back into our plugin, continue to improve on them. So it's a two-way street, you know. It's not just a case of copying somebody else's code and then adding on it. And in the case of Jigoshop, I guess if Jigoshop wanted to really compete and had a good setup, they could have given WooCommerce a better run for their money. Certainly. And, and just for anyone who's listening, Jigoshop still exists. They're still a profitable business as far as I know. They're still doing good stuff. It's not that it's a bad product by any means. Um, it's just one of those situations where uh, developers and businesses couldn't see eye to eye and have decided to go in different directions. And they already had a good core you know, code base for WooThemes to build off of. So they didn't see the need to reinvent the wheel in, in our open source market. So. so switching back to you, I know that you have Ninja Demos, which is another, maybe a smaller scale plugin. Yeah, it's a, it's a much smaller plugin of ours. It was built, I guess, uh, like everything, right? A lot of times anyway, it's kind of a scratch your own itch. We needed a demo for Ninja Forms and we were doing it pretty much like everybody else does it. Um, we had some content, a site that people could log in. We had like an admin login that anybody could use. But everybody was logging in with the same user into the same site, into the same content, and making changes. And those changes collide. And so all of a sudden your product looks buggy because one person changed one thing and the other person was trying to change something else and they're changing the same thing and they don't understand why their changes aren't taking effect and all this stuff. The other side of that is you know, you have to constantly purge that content because it gets cluttered and people keep making these changes. So what most of us do is either on every, every hour, every four hours, every six hours, once a day, whatever, we reset the database and 
you know, just kind of to a fresh install. But if you're a person testing the plugin and you happen to be right at the time that that thing runs and is firing, you lose everything that you've been testing. And it's just a, really a terrible experience. So we set out to build a plugin that would create sandboxed demos so that when somebody came to our site and wanted to test something, test it, they could get in their own location, make all the changes they want for as long as they want, and we wouldn't touch it. We'd just leave it alone. Nobody, There'd be no cross-pollination of other users. They just have their own space that we could restrict what, exactly what we, they wanted them to have. And then when they were done and they left the site, they closed the window or they, they remained idle for too long, they would just, everything would be done. Like they would just be, we would just delete that sandbox and move on. So that's kind of where Ninja Demo came out of. And we have a lot of uh, some plans in this coming year for it to kind of speed up its performance because it, be, it can be slow to, to spin up a demo because you're copying an entire site. So depending on what your demo has, if it has a lot of content, a lot of media, a lot of plugins, a lot of settings, it's got to go through that database and you know, find and replace certain strings in basically every row, in every cell. And it's just a... It can be a, a pretty intensive process. So we have some ways that we're planning on speeding that up. But yeah, it's a, it's a small product too. So we probably only make, I'd say, between four and $600 a month on that. Like it does not sell huge. Um, but it's also a very small niche. You have to have a product that you want to demonstrate. And, you know, they're just those, those, those people who have demos already set up are not ready to make that switch because they have something they think is working for them. So it's generally new people coming into the space or saying, or just exploring demos for the first time. And uh, just curious, did you find like an initial ramp up stage where you were selling more plugins as everybody was switching their sites over to Ninja Demo and then slowly the, sa the sales stabilized or? Yeah, I think in the, it, I think in the first month or two, there was a little buzz around Ninja Demo because it was a new product. It was nothing. Nobody was doing anything like that. We had three, I think, three copycats that came out right behind us. Um, and I don't think they're doing any better, to be completely honest. Um, I'm not, I've not been really digging into it. But we had three copycats, um, one of which was in our beta tester group. He asked, said, I was really interested in your, your thing. I'd like to test it out. And came in. And then we got ready to launch. And he goes, yeah, we're going we're gonna to launch our own thing. It's, it has nothing to do with your thing. But it did. <laughs> so, um, But anyway, that's all well and good. So they basically ran with their own, um, and I'm not sure that they're doing really stupendous either because I don't hear any buzz about it anywhere. Um, but Ninja Demo is one of those things that it's a, it's, a, it's a labor of love because we know that demos can be really powerful tools for selling products, um, but because of Ninja Forms taking up so much of our time, it's been harder to, to innovate and push Ninja Demo further to where we think it needs to be. But with a few tweaks that we have planned, we think we can turn it into a viable product that could actually produce some good results. Yeah, I mean, as soon when you when you launched it, I had just finished creating our own demo system for the aggregator. It was mainly had eight, around eighty percent of the features that Ninja Demo had, but eventually, you know, I preferred having even if it was more or less the same features. The fact that somebody was maintaining it and I didn't have to dig into the code myself when somebody go when something goes wrong was reason enough to switch to Ninja Demos. And we currently use it on all our plugins. So that's been very helpful. There's, a, there's some good changes coming for it. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I think uh, one challenge we have is when people sign up for a demo, they kind of feel lost 
So we're working on having this kind of introduction section on the on the dashboard as soon as they sign in. Perhaps this could be an add-on or feature that you could integrate further on some kind of way of uh, explaining to the user what has to do now that he's got the demo. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, some definitely some sales opportunity, some innovation opportunity. Um, and, and maybe in a future episode, we talk about some things that we're working on. I'll, I can share a little bit about what we have planned with Ninja Demo for that. But I, I absolutely agree. Um, so actually, back in your direction, so you have WP RSS Aggregator. So that's your product. But you're not just in product business. You also maintain a, pre, a fairly popular blog, WordPress blog, uh, called WP Mirror. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So WP Mirror was my first start in WordPress basically before aggregator and uh, as you might know it's a blog about WordPress where we talk a lot about plugins and themes especially since it's it was something uh, I, I started back when I was still learning a lot about WordPress it started off as a tutorial site and eventually as my passion shifted towards products we started to write more about plugins mostly and services and teams and right now it's a mix of everything really most people ask me many people ask me how we make money with such a blog i'll be happy to mention a few things we do to make money and keep it sustainable so the first um, thing we do is offer services such as product reviews uh, sponsored content and such so our main product or service is really the product reviews where we get a plugin or theme or service and really dig deep into that product and review it as an honest review. So it's not kind the kind of thing where you pay us to promote your plugin, but really to give you feedback. And in fact, some of the reviews we do never get published simply because they might be quite negative, but they give a lot of feedback to the developer on what he needs to improve. That's interesting. So when you're getting these reviews, if they are severely negative, you tend to just in the spirit of wanting to help them along you don't even bother posting it you're just like listen i've looked at it here's some tips that you could do to improve it that would make it not suck so bad <laughs> and um and as a as a favor i'm not going to talk about it because if i do you're just going to get bad publicity <laughs> yeah i mean the process works as in people submit their plugin or product and all the relevant information and maybe some things that they want us to highlight and we'll focus on that. So our priority is not publishing at all. It's reviewing the product. When the review is done, we'll show it to the client and let him decide whether he wants to go ahead and publish that review or not. Interesting. That's cool. So another thing we do is affiliate marketing. Uh, we're partnered with many plugins and teams. And we just uh, talk about their, their products, the services. And when we link to them, we just use their affiliate link. It's something that all the other blogs use as well. And although it doesn't bring big money, it certainly helps maintain the, the blog. That's exactly the thing I was going to ask. Like, how do you see, what kind of money do you see from affiliate marketing in that, in that space? In our space in WordPress, the affiliate commissions are quite low, you know. So if it's 20% and you're selling, say, promoting a $50 plugin, you're only going to get $10 per sale. It's not like uh, the gaming industry where you get huge payouts. Do you, uh, does it, I mean, uh, this is kind of an affiliate, kind of getting into affiliate marketing stuff a little bit, but uh, does it make sense then to find those larger products that you believe in 
and spend more time talking about those and kind of trying to upsell to that because you know, like I'll use Ninja Forms. We have an affiliate program, but and we're just the same way, right? We have a lot of twenty nine, thirty nine dollars at a twenty percent uh, affiliate commission. That's yeah, it's a it's a pittance if if you convert that. But the membership is almost five hundred dollars, and so if you can convert a member, that's a different different beast altogether. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm gonna take a note and uh, see whether we can do that because really plugins which have add-ons it's not something that we make a lot of money at all on because people tend to buy let's say ninja ninja forms they might come through our site and buy one add-on to test things out and then eventually go on to buy more plugins but they wouldn't be coming through again through our effort links so we might out of all the process we might go out with seven dollars which is obviously nothing you know yeah in the case of <laughs> pre <laughs> in the case of premium only plugins it's more worth do- doing in the case of say to quote a direct competitor it would be gravity forms so in that case the only way to buy gravity forms is to buy the whole product so we get a larger commission but really the the way the, the place where you get most money is with hosting affiliates yeah the problem is that the space is so competitive now that like right right now we're not making any money almost from hosting although the payouts are big the competition is huge i guess earlier on it was easier to make money with affiliates and nowadays we're sustained more by the services rather than the affiliates yeah that makes sense so another thing we do is ads you'll notice the banner ads on the side of the website people can also purchase a banner in our newsletter and yeah that model is very simple we're partnered with buy sell ads so people go to buy sell ads and they handle all our inventory so we just plump in that uh, javascript code in our sidebar and everything gets managed by buy sell ads who take a commission of around 20 percent i believe and the last thing yeah we have also sponsorships but sponsorships are really a bundle where we promote where we uh, offer an article or review and a banner all bundled into one so i'd say the big things are affiliate marketing banners and services that's wp mayor do you do any other add-ons for other products yeah so we don't we don't do a lot of this but we did have a need for ourselves so we use easy digital downloads and they currently have a add-on marketplace and we have about 50 add-ons for ninja forms and i don't know if you if you if you've ever gone through the process of updating grabbing your code from github uh, you grab the zip, you grab the files, you have to remove files that you don't need that are good for GitHub but not good for production release. Uh, then you have to zip it back up and then upload it to your server and get it in place and then update the add-on page, the product page. And that's a it's a real cumbersome process. If you have 50 add-ons and you have to update 10, you're talking about you know an hour, hour and a half out of your day just updating add-ons. So we decided we needed something that was a little more efficient. So we built a EDD add-on called Git Updater. And it basically lets you connect to your GitHub repositories. And in your product page, when you go to do an update, you just select what um, branch you want or tag you want to update to and click Publish or Update. And it will go and grab, go to GitHub, grab the zip file, unzip it, remove the things that it needs to, name everything properly, zip it back up, and keep it on your server for release. Uh, it works with their software licensing add-on, so it makes it really quick. Now we can take 10 plug- plugins, and it takes us just a few minutes to just kind of run through and say, hey, let's update it this to this tag, this tag, this tag, this tag, and we're done. 
Um, and it's nice. So it'll grab, it'll parse the readme, it'll pull all that stuff out if you're using uh, software licensing. Uh, and it definitely is one of those situations when you talk about working, you know, you we've all heard the conversation of working on your business versus working, uh, you know, in your business. This is one of those things where it was a working on our business to get processes in place that things could be automated and, and quicker. And so we have released that. It is available over at Easy Digital Downloads currently. Awesome. I wonder whether you have uh, a Bitbucket updater. That would... it, it does. It, use, it, it updates with Bitbucket as well. Oh, cool. Um, it's a little bit different because Bitbucket doesn't have the same OAuth connection that GitHub has. So there's, I believe there's a constant that you can put, um, in your, put on your site that will put your credentials in and then we'll use those to get your updates from, from Bitbucket. But. Right. Okay. I have to check that out as we use Bitbucket on our end. Yep. Okay. Um, maybe we could also mention our ADD add-ons. So the last couple of months, we've been working on some add-ons for easy digital downloads. We've released ADD checkout message, which lets you add a message on your checkout page according to what the person has in his cart. So I had to build this kind of rule builder on the backend. So admin, site admins can decide when that message gets triggered. Then we're also working on an um, add to cart pop-up which basically gives a pop-up when people add the product to the cart saying, do you want to go to the checkout or do you want to continue buying? It's quite an, a new thing in, the, in terms of ADD, it's available for WooCommerce and on most e-commerce websites. And finally, the add-on we, that we're really working hard on is ADD Bookings. And it's basically a bookings add-on for ADD, which enables you to offer bookable services. So the idea is that if you're selling a product, you might also want to offer consultancy. And if you're using ADD already, instead of having to install, say, WooCommerce or another separate booking plugin, you can just install the bookings add-on for ADD and have everything managed through ADD. That means you don't need to buy a bunch of other add-ons like the PayPal integration and voicing add-ons that you would have to, to buy possibly for a a separate booking system or for WooCommerce. And we're seeing a lot of interest for this add-on. Right now, sales are still low. It's still, we've, we've launched around, I guess, a month ago or less. So it's the initial stages, but things look promising. Very exciting. And that's a great way for, you know, we talk about like EDD and uh, WP, RSS Aggregator and Ninja Forms. And that's a great way just to get kind of started in a product business if you want to just see what it's like to, you know, dip your toes in the water, if you will, building a, a smaller, I mean, but EDD bookings is a bigger thing. Like it's a, it's a, it's definitely a bigger thing, but there are lots of little smaller things that you can build. And if you can find something that's useful, um, you can make a little bit of pocket change to, uh, to start, but it gets your feet wet and exploring what it's like to run a product business. Uh, so it's, it's a great way to start. Yeah, definitely. It's because it's like integrating with the EDD team when you're developing the plugin. There's people reviewing your your work and giving you feedback, giving you feedback on the support requests and features to include. Yeah, and that's that's a great point, right? It's not just the business; it's it's the instruction. You're learning from other developers who can uh, kind of code beside you and offer you insight on something that you might not have been as familiar with. So you're going to become a better developer working with other developers. That's just a natural process that will take place. 
And perhaps uh, I would also add that in our case, we're quite established in the plugin development area, but we decided to produce add-ons for another reason. So you mentioned that as a person starting out, making add-ons for EDD is ideal. That's true. But in our case, support was really taxing us. Um, so we had a lot of hours being spent on supporting aggregator. So we already knew that if we had to develop another plugin, if there would be lots of support coming in for that, we'd be really under pressure. But having an add-on for EDD enabled us to shift all the support to the EDD team since they handle all the support and concentrate on building a product. So that's good for established developers who don't want to take on more support. Yeah. And I think probably every marketplace is going to have different parameters for how they handle it. I know like with Ninja Forms, we handle first touch for all of our developers. And so if it's a user issue and we can guide that, then we'll take care of that. And then, of course, bugs go back to the repo and we work with the developer to get those fixed. But absolutely. Yeah, that's the same way that ADD works. But support is mostly, in our case, in the, in the case of aggregator, nowadays it's quite a stable product. So... We get a lot of support requests that are mostly people who are finding it hard to use the product maybe because they're not so experienced with WordPress. So these low-level tickets, which are easy to answer, but take a lot of time because you want also want to do more hand-holding for the client. Absolutely. Okay, so that I think wraps up this episode. We've gone through all the plugins and yeah, plugins we're doing and WP Mayer. If you want to ask us some questions, we're here to, to answer them and we're, we'll be most happy to go into further detail on what we've spoken about in this episode. Right, James? Absolutely. If you go to mastermind.fm, there is a form to submit questions um, that comes directly to Jean and myself. And we'd be happy to kind of discuss those and maybe even depending on the topic, either tailor an episode over a few of them or just take one and really dig deep and see what we can come up with. Okay, so where can people find you, James? Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at on Twitter at James Laws or JamesLaws.com is my personal website. And of course, Ninja Forms, Ninja Demo, WP Ninjas, and all of that stuff. Great. So people can find me on uh, Jean Galea, at Jean Galea on Twitter. They can also contact me via my personal blog, JeanGalea.com. Thank you all and see you at the next episode. See you next time. <laughs>